Welcome back to Financial Freedom 101. My name is Robert, and this is Episode 7. Today is all about the different types of investments that you can choose from to support your journey to becoming financially free. More specifically, we'll be talking about how property investing differs from these other types of investments and why this is our preferred strategy. I can spend all day talking about investing and the different types of options that are out there. You can invest in stocks, bonds, unit trusts, or mutual funds, depending on where you're from, cryptocurrencies, commodities, certificates of deposits, property investing, REITs, etc., etc., etc. You can invest using futures, options, selling short, buying long, market rate, limit orders, day trading, dollar cost averaging, and many other methods. If you don't know what you're doing, you can invest through investment brokers, financial planners, or even take crash courses on how to invest online. The point that I'm trying to make is investing is a great method to use to help you becoming financially free, as there is something out there for everybody. I started investing at the age of 20, and it was much harder to get started back then as compared to today. Before the internet became a common household utility, you had to buy newspapers to track your stocks. If you wanted to learn about investing, you had to go to the library to check out books or go to the bookstore to buy books on investing. Additionally, there were limited platforms an individual could jump on to buy stocks themselves. For most, if you wanted to invest, you had to have a broker to do all your transactions, which obviously increased the cost of getting started. Nowadays, if you don't understand a financial term or need help in understanding a financial statement, you can go online and visit Investopedia or a number of other websites. You can even watch YouTube videos for free on how to invest right now. Most importantly, there are thousands of apps that you can download straight to your phone that will allow you to buy, sell, and trade stocks at any time of day on any market around the world. Most of these apps will even give you trading tips and advice. In addition to this, The best part of investing in the more common types of investment platforms, such as stocks, bonds, and unit trust, is the entry barrier is extremely low. To protect novice investors, some countries, like Singapore, have enacted minimum requirements for individuals who want to trade stocks on their own to obtain investments accounts. But for most places, all you have to do is be able to provide proof of your residency or tax identification number for the country in which the investment platform is based in. Aside from this, in most instances, you can get started investing with as little as $100. The low entry barrier is great and helps reduce risk to novice investors as well. When I first started investing, I didn't have much disposable income. If I could spare one, maybe $200 per month to get started. Additionally, as I wasn't really confident in what I was doing, if I lost $100 in the stock market, it wasn't going to hurt me that much. For $100, I could afford to make mistakes. I could afford to take risks. Despite losing money on a number of initial investments, I gained a lot of experience and learned how to properly do my due diligence on a company and learn how to study financial reports, read a company's prospectus report, and properly evaluate a company's growth potential. I eventually became confident with investing larger sums and started having a lot more wins than I had lost. 
all because of this low entry barrier. With that said, the trick of investing is understanding how to invest. When asked what they think about when they hear the term stock investing, the first thing that comes to mind for most is that Wall Street stockbroker who is constantly buying and selling stocks or working as a day slash active trader. In my opinion, day trading and active trading is not investing at all, but more akin to gambling. While we hope that all investments go up in value, day trading looks for the quick gains and the quick money. Unfortunately, this comes with increased costs. Each buy-sell transaction includes transaction fees. And in most countries, it also includes an increase in capital gains tax rate, which cuts into the amount of profit you actually earn. But here's the worst part about it. According to a number of studies and highlighted in a recent Forbes article, only 18% of active fund managers, those mutual fund managers who actively trade stocks on a day-to-day basis for the mutual fund that they are managing, actually beat the market while most grossly underperform it. If a professional investor is unable to beat the market, what percentage of normal, everyday investors do you think actually beat the market? Not many. On the other hand, passive fund managers, those who buy and hold stocks, for the mutual funds they manage, tend to fare much better and typically match or even beat the market performance. If you look at some of the world's greatest investors like Warren Buffett, most have a similar approach. They invest for the long term. I look at a company's performance. I look at their assets, their history, and I find investments that have long-term potential. This helps to limit my risk and losses as a short-term dip in the market doesn't really have a big effect on my strategy. If you try to time and beat the market, history has shown most will end up losing. Now, while I'm a big fan of investing in stocks, bonds, and units of trust to support my financial freedom journey, I'm a much bigger fan of property investing for a number of reasons. Although property investing has a much higher entry barrier and a number of risks that you do not have with stock investing, it comes with a lot of benefits and safeguards you just don't get with stock. When you invest in a stock, you are investing in the perception that the stock is going to be worth something. It has very little to do with the company itself. Take GameStop in the U.S., for instance. Back in March, an investment group posted a single article on Reddit. And GameStop's stock price shot up over 1,700%. Consider what happened to DogCoin, a relatively new cryptocurrency. From a single tweet by Elon Musk, this cryptocurrency shot up over 600% in a matter of days. I can give you thousands of examples just like these, but the question always remains the same. What happened? What fundamentally changed? For those companies, nothing changed for the company itself. Their financials hadn't changed. Their assets hadn't changed. Their forecast growth hadn't changed. So what happened besides the perception of the investor? Regardless of what stock you look at, the cost of those stocks is based on the perceived value of the investor. Ultimately, you are buying into a perception. You are buying a piece of paper that in reality is worth nothing. Unless you own a share of preferred stock, 
an actual piece of the company, your stock share is not tangible. There is nothing behind it except for what others perceive its value to be. I own shares in the companies that are still working, that are still producing a profit, but because nobody wants to buy the shares I own, they're worthless. Even though they have a value on the stock exchange, nobody is willing to pay that price to buy the stock. Again, the cost is all based on perception. Property, on the other hand, is a physical asset and will always have value. While the property market will have its fluctuations, they are nowhere near as drastic as what it is for the stock market. And the reason being is because property is a commodity. It is a physical asset. The price of an asset is relatively stable. It is based on supply and demand. Just like there is a limited quantity of gold and silver, there's only a finite amount of land space. There will always be demand for housing. At the very start of the pandemic, the stock market plunged, causing people to lose thousands, potentially millions of dollars. I own stocks that dropped well over 50% in value, but our investment property actually went up in value. People will always need a place to live. Regardless of where you live, land is a finite resource and will always have intrinsic value. Stocks, on the other hand, are pieces of paper being sold on a secondary market at a perceived value. Companies can choose to split their stocks to create more shares, or they can do a reverse split to reduce the number of shares, all in an attempt to manipulate the cost of their shares. Property? You can't do this. While the wealthy may own a lot of stocks, look at what most of them are investing spare cash in. They invest in property, and they do it for a reason. One of the benefits I like about property investing is that when I invest in a property, it is not a gamble. It's a calculated risk. When I buy a property, I can be relatively certain what the property market is going to look like in six months or a year. In some instances, I can see what the property market is going to be like in three to four years down the road if there is a lot of industrial development being done in an area. Before I buy a property, I can do my due diligence on it and see what the demand in the area is like, how much renovations will cost me, and what type of value add those renovations are going to actually have on the property price. Most importantly, unlike stock investing, I can be relatively certain how much my property will be valued at in the next six months and determine if my plans are worth the risk or not. Additionally, as we have spoken about in the last couple of weeks, property provides me flexibility that stock investing does not. While I can give myself flexibility in the stock market by investing in options, I really only have four options to choose from. Buy, do not buy, sell, do not sell. Property investing, on the other hand, gives me lots of real flexibility. I can buy a property and turn that property into a house of multiple occupation or renting out the rooms. I can rent it out as a buy-to-let or a single-family home. I can provide it to a charity or council as social housing, or I could sell it for a profit. On top of that, I can even consider adding value to the property by upgrading the different rooms adding en-suites to the bedrooms, adding additional bedrooms, or more. 
I can even choose what standard I want to renovate the property to based on how much value it will add to the property. Another benefit of property investing over regular investing is that it gives you a source of passive income. While you can buy stocks that pay out regular dividends on a monthly, quarterly, semi-annual, or annual basis, these dividends are based on the performance of the company with no guarantee of the payout. For property investing, I know what the average monthly rent will be. I can calculate my monthly expenses and I can determine, even before buying the property, what my monthly cash flow will be. Yes, there will be fluctuation in this, there will be void periods, and monthly expenses could go up. But by and large, depending on the type of property you own, the monthly income will remain consistent. Our four bedroom HMO, for example, has produced a steady monthly cash flow of 300 pounds or more each month, even throughout the pandemic, and with as little as just two rooms being rented out. When fully rented after all bills are paid, we are netting over 600 pounds per month. Not too shabby if you ask me. Finally, here's the biggest benefit to property investing over stock investing. For property investing, I can buy property using other people's money or OPM. This is huge. If I invest in stocks, I'm using my own money and can only buy limited shares. However, for property investing, I can have others invest in me, use their money to buy property, and either use our profits to pay them back with interest after a set period of time, or give them equity in the property and split the monthly income with them. This one factor can greatly improve your overall profits. We purchased our first HMO in cash and had a total return on our investment, or ROI, of around 9%, which is pretty respectable for any investment you do, especially considering that the stock market, on average, returns maybe 6% per year. However, after finishing our remortgage of the property and successfully pulling out approximately 75% of the funds we had tied up in it, our ROI went from 10% to around 24% simply by using other people's money, in this case, the bank's money. I would like to see this happen with any stock investment. Now, don't get me wrong. Property investing is not for everybody, and it is definitely something you should not get into without proper training and understanding of high-risk investing. As with any investment, there are always risks, and with property investing, you are not risking $100, $1,000, or even $10,000. You are risking tens of thousands of dollars if something goes wrong. We had friends get swindled by illegitimate sourcing agents and builders, losing well over 10,000 pounds on bad property deals. I have to admit that when I made that bank transfer of 30,000 pounds to act as an angel investor for our first property deal, it made me extremely nervous as I had never spent that much money on a single purchase in my life. However, because of the training that I took, because of the years I spent investing in the stock market, I was comfortable in the knowledge that I did my proper due diligence and covered all of my bases. When I wrote that check for 90,000 pounds to buy our first property, I was even more nervous. But again, because of the time I spent learning about the property market, 
the due diligence I did on my power team and the support I had of my friends who had previously invested, I was confident in the deal that was being made. The road to financial freedom is not an easy one and it is full of risks. After all, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. While we have made our fair share of missteps and mistakes, we have learned from them and bounced back. We have improved the way we have done things and changed the things that we could. Whether this is changing power team members, changing processes, or even changing our knowledge in a specific area. We have learned from our mistakes and made every effort to change and improve our understanding of the property market. Are you interested in investing? Do you want to learn more about doing due diligence on stocks, bonds, unit trusts, and the like? Do you want to know more about property investing? Then check out our website and drop us a message. We are here to help because the strength of the wolf is the pack, and we want to be part of your pack. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got something from it. Join us next time as we discuss a number of the misconceptions and barriers that people face when wanting to start investing. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great week ahead.